I think product research is definitely the number one thing I'd spend more time on. I think like a lot of people, when I first started, I, I thought you could just fire out an ad on any product and you'd make a million dollars overnight kind of thing. And it doesn't work like that. So I think starting again, I definitely put more effort into that product research when I first got going. I think that's a very big step because no matter how good you are at marketing, no matter how good you are at sort of web design, if you have a product nobody wants, no one's going to buy it. So doing that research, that validation on products is a very important step. Hi, this is Ariel Ben-Solomon here at Ecom Hunt, and we have a new interview this week with Chris Wayne. I want to introduce him to the Ecom Hunt family. Maybe you've heard of him, maybe you haven't. If you've seen him, his interviews he's on Overlow and on his YouTube channel, which we will link below. And we would want you, Chris, maybe to introduce yourself a little bit to our audience. Maybe people haven't heard of you before. Or, yeah, uh, so yeah, my name is Chris Wayne. I've been dropshipping for a number of years now, multiple six-figure stores. Also the, the founder of the Advanced Dropshipping Academy, where I teach other people how to build and launch their own e-commerce businesses. I run a YouTube channel and everything like that, but it's uh, e-commerce dropshipping has generally been my life pretty much every day for a number of years now, and it's kind of what I do. Great. So I just want to get in some of, your, some of your points that I've seen from your videos and from your content. And one of the things is, First, let's start with one of the questions that our owner likes to always ask people, Mordechai, is if you had to do it again, now you have all the experience, you know, of failing and getting up and having success, what would you do differently, you know, to help people out there? What would you do differently to kind of fast track if you were starting now? I think product research is definitely the number one thing I'd spend more time on. I think like a lot of people, when I first started, I I thought you could just fire out an ad on any product and you'd make a million dollars overnight kind of thing. And it doesn't work like that. So I think starting again, I definitely put more effort into that product research when I first got going. I think that's a very big step because no matter how good you are at marketing, no matter how good you are at sort of web design, if you have a product nobody wants, no one's going to buy it. So doing that research, that validation on products is a very important step, which is I think now with everything I do, everything I mentioned to my students and the clients and things, I always say to them, you know, you need to validate these products. And I think if I was starting back over again, I would be telling myself to definitely research more than I did originally. I see. You still got to test it because you never really can validate it 100%, right? But you're saying you got things you can do that you can make it more of a better chance. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, over the years, I've tested hundreds of products. So some of them were complete failures and others did really well. So I think over that time, I've come up with like a criteria that a lot of those winning products actually sort of hit. And the similarities between the products in terms of criteria, such as mm. problem-solving products, mass-market appeal type of products, products that have like a unique selling point in a sense. These types of products are the ones that seem to do really well. So I think focusing on that and that criteria and that validation is something that I do a lot now, a lot more than I did when I first started kind of thing, because it's that experience that's allowed me to understand that that validation and that criteria is definitely something you need to look into if you want a successful product. Interesting. Now with the COVID now and everything in the, the virus, what would you say in terms of shipping times and people worried about that? I mean, would you still go through AliExpress for testing products? And then maybe move it to an agent or to one of these third-party services that are coming up? Or how would you deal with this now with the new environment? I think at the beginning of the COVID, it was an issue. There was obviously issues with shipping times, but 
since then it's been getting better and better. I think the shipping times that a lot of people, myself included, are seeing faster speeds with AliExpress standard shipping over ePacket right now. I'm expecting that to shift back eventually kind of thing. But right now, AliExpress on the shipping seems to be working really well, even to a point where a couple of my students in the academy have actually seen shipping times to the UK with that method within seven days, which is better than pre-COVID levels kind of thing. So I think it's all, it really comes down to what type of product you're trying to sell, you know, the supplier, where it is located and where it's being shipped to kind of thing. But you can still get decent shipping times even now. I also have used CJ dropshipping a lot in terms of you know particular products, especially like POD types of products and grains, <laughs> products and things like that. They generally are getting things shipped and delivered within 15 days kind of thing, which is still great. So there are options out there. I think at the moment, stay away from ePacket a little bit because it seems to be slow from my experience and what other people are saying to me as well. AliExpress on the shipping though seems to be pretty decent, all things considered. But I think overall, it's a lot better than it was back in March, April time. Right. You know, Now we're definitely seeing faster speeds for sure. When would you say that you'd have to move off of Ali and move to an agent or to CJ, Dropshipping, or one of these services? When's that point? Did you say a lot of people saying you're seeing the product go 30 a week, I don't know, more? It really depends. Like, There's been times when I've been doing hundreds of orders a day and never moved up AliExpress. So it is what it is. I think the only reason to move up AliExpress is if you can get the products cheaper and if you can get faster shipping. But with a lot of my stores I was running, especially early on, it was very much, I wasn't looking to build a brand. I wasn't looking to build repeat customers. I was looking to capitalize on trends. So shipping times wasn't an issue. Once it had been shipped, customers agreed to the policy in place illegally and it is what it is kind of thing. So I think if you are looking to move to a fulfillment agent, I'd probably start doing that when you're at 15, 20, 30 orders a day. And then you can look to do that. You know, I think the time when I went to an, an actual fulfillment agent in China and he saved me a dollar on every product, which doesn't sound like a lot, but if you're doing a thousand orders kind of thing, it's a decent saving. Yeah, for sure. Now, what would you say in terms of other things that you could do to upgrade? Some people have more money to invest. I mean, there's things you could upgrade. For example, the product, you know, a lot of people are adding these product page builders, you know, like gem pages, zipifies, and the beautify. All these things. What do you think it's necessary, or you think this will increase the conversion rate, or what's your take on it? Gym Pages is really good. I think it's a really great app for you can really create a bespoke kind of website, you know, that really matches your products and makes you really stand out from the crowd. I think a lot of people use these kind of free themes and everything on Shopify and everyone looks the same and there's limitations with them because they're free kind of thing. But with gem pages, you know, if I think it's like 10, is it like $10 a month, $15 a month or something, you get to create your own page that's drag and drop. So it is something I've been using a lot with my clients within my mentorship program within the academy kind of thing. So I show them, you know, the gem pages kind of method and how to build your own bespoke website in a sense to really stand out. Other apps that I suppose I like is things like Consistent Cart things like, you know, for abandoned retargeting in terms of emails and SMS. So there are really a great number of apps out there if you have the money for it. The thing is with the apps, I, I never see them as a cost because a lot of them end up paying for themselves anyway, you know, yeah. especially the abandoned kind of apps, you know, they pay for themselves by, you know, getting those sales back in. So it is a cost each month in a sense, but it's still technically free in terms of that return on investment. Yeah, yeah. If it's going to increase the store's its value and it's going to increase your conversion rate for sure. Would you say though that sometimes, sometimes there's a lot of apps out there 
And they're kind of like overlapping. Like there's many apps that are doing email marketing with SMS and the difference really between them, you know, sometimes you can say, okay, this one's better or this shipping app is better. But a lot of times it feels like that there's a lot of overlap. Do you think there's much difference? And sometimes in the app market out there is like five or six apps doing the same thing. And how do you know which one's the best or? I think there are a lot of apps similar doing the same functionality. I think it really just comes down to price and how well they work. I suppose what kind of functionality they've got. Like I used to use a number of different apps for sort of abandoned cart emails. I used to use it for SMS retargeting and things like that. I had like separate apps for them and then came across consistent cart and I was like, oh, well, you know, this is the same thing. Let's give it a go. And then I really liked the layout, how, you know, the user interface is really clean and it just worked. So I just ended up switching it over kind of thing because I think it saved me a little bit anyway. Instead of having two apps and I'll have one and it's just as good. So it just comes out to personal preference. I think if whatever works for your brand of your business, you know, how it fits in with the style of your theme and then how well it works for your customers. And if it has that return on investment as well, it's, it's obviously a major factor. In terms of Ecom Hunt, have you, what's your experience using it? I mean, some people say they like to find old products on there. You know, they like go to go deep dive into like products that were trending like a year or two ago. And then what's your experience with it? I just like to search for products that hit that criteria. You know, the, the mass market appeal, the problem solving products, the unique selling point, you know, having products in front of you done well or are successful products to an extent and then applying that validation criteria that I've built up over the years, you know, you kind of overlay that on top of the products that I presented to you and make a short list, validate them and then eventually pick products that you want from that validated list. And that's generally how I do all of my research. And so it doesn't matter where the products come from as long as they match the criteria that I'm looking for. Let's move on to ads because now there's a bit of a, I don't know, controversy, but people are saying CBO versus the old ABO. So the question is how you should be testing, how you should be scaling, you know, people using the old method. Should you use CBO? What's your take on it? Some people are saying you should do both and test them against each other. What do you say in general about that? I'm 100% CBO now. Ever since they said they were bringing in CBO and forcing you to use it, I switched over at that point. So I don't think they ever forced you to use it, even said they were going to, but I switched everything over to that, built my strategy around that at the point, thinking everyone was going to be forced to do it. So I might as well figure it out now and you know figure out a testing strategy and a scaling strategy using it. And it worked. So I just carried on with the strategy. So both testing, data collection, and sort of scaling through Facebook ads I do with CBO. I do make sure that when I'm testing ad creatives, that they do get a decent amount of budget each. So like a minimum budget level in the sense to make sure that I'm collecting data on them, figuring out if they're working or not. There's no point using CBO and then putting $100 towards one ad and then $2 towards another ad. You're not going to get the right kind of data. So giving a decent budget to each ad that you're testing is important, but you still use CBO to do that. And then once I find which ad is working the best, CBO on on an interest kind of ad set, looking for winning ad sets. Once I find winning ad sets, I'll just create a scaling campaign using CBO and really start to push that single ad and those all those you know ad sets with interest in them until I have enough data to start moving down lookalike routes and going that way. That's interesting. Because a lot of people are saying CBO for scaling, but for testing, a lot of people still prefer to hold it. But that's interesting you say that CBO, you're going all the way. Yeah, it's just the way I do it. Either method works. It's just the way I started testing all of my ads through CBO. And as long as you have a minimum spend on it kind of thing, then it's great. But I, I test using conversion purchase. So I'm going for sales even during the tests. Having the CBO helps that as well. So that's just the strategy I use. There are other strategies and they do work as well. 
What do you say about targeting? There's different views on that. Some people are saying just leave it open targeting up to 200 million. It's like let Facebook do its magic. And other people are saying, no, you got to get very specific. What's your take on the target audience? It depends on what product you're selling for a start. It also depends on how you want to test. Because if you have a product, let's say a pen, you were selling a pen. I'm just using something really generic. But as a pen, you could target anybody in the world and that's relevant to them. You don't need an interest for a pen because you wouldn't start typing in writing and things like that as an interest. Just leave it open. Anyone can make use of a pen kind of thing. But if you were, if you're doing something a bit more specific, like a sewing needle, you know, it's not really going to be for everybody. It's going to be for people who are interested in sewing. So you then you'd have to narrow it down a little bit. So it really depends on the product, as opposed to what type of, whether you leave like an open, broad sort of ad set, or if you start targeting interest. I like to do both. I like to have an ad set that is completely open, and I like to have ad sets that have interests. And I like to have you know, narrowed down interests, and I also like to have ad sets that have broad interests. For example, snowboarding. If I was doing a product that was in the snowboarding niche, I'd have an ad set that was just about snowboarding. The interest would be snowboarding. But then... I'd have another interest that might be a bit more specific to a brand within snowboarding, like Burton Snowboards, for example, and that would be an interest. So it's all about testing those different levels, completely open, broad niche, narrow down niche to figure out what really works and test different angles and find as many winning assets as you can. That's interesting that if it's a more broad product, you can just leave it out there. That's interesting. Would you say in terms of when you're moving in terms of other kinds of marketing, in terms of like Instagram, the influencer marketing, are you a big fan of that or do you think it's more Facebook's the kind of like where the action is? I have done in the past. Instagram influence a minefield of just fake accounts, fake bots, fake engagement. I think if you're going to be using Instagram influencers and paying somebody to post out, you need to do your research on that influencer. Check their posts, make sure that it's not just people putting emojis and highs and haze and stuff like this. Actually make sure people are engaged. There's actually calculators online that you can type in Instagram handles and get engagement ratings and things like that against them, which is quite useful. But I think if you don't have a massive budget, it's a great place to start. But I think for more seasoned kind of dropshippers, more people who have been in the space for a while, even people with a bigger budget, I think it's a very time-consuming task for kind of low results. The chances of you finding someone that's going to work, you know, because not only now you have to find an influencer that is going to perform well in terms of engagement, you also have to just hope that their audience is interested in your product as well. It does work. You know, people have had success with influencers. It's not my method. It's not something I really use. I have done in the past, you know, occasionally, but most of my success, like 95% of my success has come from Facebook ads. That's where I go. That's where my strategies work. And that's where I put all my focus. If we look at the big picture... There's where dropshipping is going, where the niche is going in terms of the trends. Where do you see it going for the next year or so? I mean, do you see it is becoming more competitive or do you see it kind of just continuing the way it is? Do you see changes coming or what's your take on where things are going as the industry? It's definitely evolving. The market is definitely maturing. So you have to be smarter with what you do. Three, four years ago, you could fire up a general store with no real branding strategy. It could be, you know, dailydealsforyou.com or whatever, you know, really some sort of tacky kind of website selling cat necklaces and you'd make thousands. These days, because the market, like I said, has matured, more people are becoming familiar with these kind of pop-up sort of businesses in a sense. And there's obviously a lot more people trying dropshipping. I mean, they're trying, they're not successful with it, but yeah, they're yeah. trying it which makes it worse in a sense. You have to be smarter with it. And this is why kind of my strategies now are built around creating a legit looking brand in a sense, 
creating a one product kind of branded store, but still using the dropshipping business model. So you're still using the fulfillment model, but creating what could be classed as a legitimate e-commerce business at first glance and really creating something different than all these general kind of stores, all these pet stores that everybody goes to first. And, you know, branding is very, very important. Now you have to position yourself as a market leader, but still using that dropshipping fulfillment model. Would you still say go for a niche store or would you say go right to the one product? Or would you say find a winner on your niche store and then go with that for the one product store? Or would you say just go right for the one product? My strategy that I prefer these days is what I class as a generic one product store. So that's creating a one product store that has a generic brand to it. So you wouldn't name your store anything to do with the product. So if the product didn't work, you can swap it out. So you're basically getting the flexibility of a general store with the power of a one product store by doing a generic one product. But you lose a little bit of the branding if you named it exactly like the product, but then you lose that flexibility, I see. There's two ways of doing it. You can do a branded one product store where you name the brand around the product, like Blendjet, for example, or High Smile, you know, yeah. their names, I think. Or you could name it something generic, like the brand Sephora. It's, it's not yeah. a one-product store, it's a beauty store, but the name Sephora doesn't tell you it's a beauty store. It could be anything. It could be a cat store. So you create a, a generic one-product store, a generic branded one-product store to give you that flexibility of being able to swap out products, but still have yeah. that power, that scalability of a one-product store. Okay, so here's the last question. The last question is for quarter four. What would you say to people and what the timing should be in terms of testing new products, launching the products now? You know, quarter four is coming. People are starting to think about it. And this video will come out at the beginning of quarter four. So what would you say about that? What people should be kind of scheduling? If you have a product, get ready to double down on your ads. If you have a successful product that's ticking over right now, get ready to increase your budget. I think that would be the one. I think don't, you know, morally because of shipping times, don't, promote anything for Christmas or for particular dates kind of thing, but still promote products, go a bit heavier on your ad spend because people will buy even if they're kind of not looking for something because of the deals that come out. Having a deal on your own business, I think on your products is going to increase your sales naturally anyway. So get a budget ready and double down on anything that's working in the run-up for Black Friday especially. Start testing. Test stuff now. I mean, I think a lot of people will be testing if you're thinking about getting into dropshipping right now, now is the best time. This period in the run-up to Black Friday is definitely the time to get something in place. Refer to Google Trends and make sure that people start buying the product you're looking at during this time as well to give yourself an added bonus. Really just yeah, get ready for a rush of sales once you find that product. All right, great. This is great having you. You guys definitely check out Chris's channel, YouTube channel. He's got course. He's got stuff you can check out. We'll put a link down below. And Chris, thanks for being with us. 